Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ramblin' Radio, episode number 95. Just want to check if I'm recording. Give me one second. We are recording. Okay. Oh, thank God. Five more episodes to 100. What if I just quit at 99? How would you feel about that? Would that be okay? Do these do these help you? Would that be like a just like a, a, a stake to the heart? I'm just kidding. I'm I'm in a mood. The reason why I'm in a mood is because tomorrow Freelance of Freedom gets started. My official uh, three day training experience. This is probably going to be the last one of the year. This is it. Um, if you really, really want to do this and you're going to commit, you're going to bet on yourself. Honestly, you don't really need to even bet on yourself because it's free. Um, but if you want to learn how to create a business that gives you freedom back, then you're going to want to sign up. Um, because this isn't something that this isn't like a one size fits all. It's not like one strategy is going to solve all your problems. Um, you know, I'm going to, we're, we're talking about my first six figures as a content creator. And when I was getting started, I was looking for answers. I was on YouTube. I was looking for any type of value I could find. I was signing up for courses. I was learning from the clients that I was getting hired by because a lot of them had really successful businesses. I was trying to do it all. I was trying to learn everything that I possibly could to create this business and do well and make something sustainable. And the problem is all these things that we are being fed online are all helpful, but it's just one side of the coin. It's just one, it's not even one side of the coin. It's just one little itty bitty percentage of the things that are actually going to give you specific results. And if you're somebody that has been doing the same thing, going to YouTube, buying courses, learning from your own clients, whatever, and you're still not at a point that you want to be at, then seriously ask yourself, why do you think that is? If you're getting all of this information, why do you think you are not where you want to be? And I can tell you because a lot of the things that are being fed online, especially the free content and stuff, which is really helpful. Don't get me wrong. It's really high quality stuff. It's not what's going, it's, it's not the full picture. The full picture is a bunch of different things happening. I mean, even if you think about it, like your daily, think about your day-to-day -day stuff, the amount of stuff that you have to do every single day as a content creator, as a freelancer, as a business owner, it's just too many things. And so how can we eliminate the noise and, and get it down to a select amount of things that actually that are actually going to move the needle forward for you? And it starts with who you are being every single day. I made a I made an Instagram story and I posted it um, later in the day yesterday. And I said, imagine if you had a million followers waiting for your next piece of content. Imagine if you had multiple five-figure clients waiting for your opinion on their creative direction or their project or whatever. Imagine if you your last launch for digital products was a seven-figure launch. How would you be acting on a daily basis if you had those things right now? How would you show up 
and what would be the decisions that you would make on a daily basis and why are you not acting like that right now? Those are the types of things that we're going to be going over in this challenge. There are multiple different roles that you could choose from to play. You got the employee, you've got the artist, you've got the content creator, you've got the freelancer, and you've got the creative visionary. We are going to step into the creative visionary role. We're going to cover each and every role and the shortcomings, the pros, the cons of each one and why those are shortcomings and why the creative visionary is who you need to be on a daily basis. And that's just day one. And then day two and day three, we're going over even more. But by the end of it, you're going to have a blueprint for how to run a successful creative business that's sustainable, that allows you to do other things besides just work. And that's what it's all about. And then we open up the Creators Blueprint August 23rd. Mark that date on your calendar. And we are going in for the next 12 weeks. And this is going to be probably the last time. I don't want to confirm that just yet, but it, it probably is going to be the last time that we launch the Creators Blueprint this year. So if you've been waiting to get in this thing, do not wait any longer. And I'm going to talk about why you shouldn't wait, not just the Creators Blueprint, but why you shouldn't wait in general, just with everything in life. Waiting is probably the worst thing you could possibly do for yourself, even if it doesn't feel like it's the right time for you. And I'm going to talk about that in this episode as well. So that is the three-day training experience. Freelance to Freedom starts tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, and if you can't make it to the live, they're all being recorded. So you're going to get them and have access to them. Um, you might not have a chance to win a prize if you don't show up and, and do the work within 24 hours of each one. But uh, you'll have access to this and you can take it on your own time if you can't make it to the actual live training. So um, super excited about that. It's like my favorite time of the year. And that is pretty much it. Now, let's get into the the real stuff. I got to pull up my notes. I got, I got some small notes, nothing, nothing crazy here. How did I make my first six figures as a content creator? It's not as sexy. It's not as fancy as you, as it, as it, as it sounds. It's, it's really not. Um, but there's some key things that I just wanted to point out that I think is really going to help you. And some of the things that you might think are important that aren't important at all. It's the stuff that's just not sexy, but that's, that's why all the information that you're getting online, all these like tips and tricks, they sound like so sexy and stuff. Um, that's why they're being told. That's why, you know, someone will say, oh, I've got the solution to all your problems. Like these are all the sexy things. I'm doing the unsexy stuff, stuff that actually works. Okay. Um, so anyways, let's get into it. So my journey to first getting my, my first six figures as a content creator started when I was still living with my parents and I was getting on YouTube. YouTube was my portfolio. I was creating the vlogs that I wanted to create. I didn't really know a lot of people in the space yet. I was in a very like experimental stage and I didn't have anyone to compare to. And so it was really easy for me to experiment and have fun and not put so much weight onto making this a, a successful thing. I know a lot of people that have a hard time getting started because they know so much already. And when you know a lot, it's harder to get started and it's just, it's just harder in general. When you're naive, 
it's easy because you don't know anything. And so you, you don't have the mental games to deal with. You don't compare yourself. You don't have imposter syndrome. You don't have a lot of the shit that you maybe you've dealt with already. I know I have. Um, it's just easier to get started when you're, when you're naive. And so I was naive. <laughs> I didn't know anybody, didn't know really anything. And I was in this experimental stage. And so I was just focusing on the craft and people started to notice. And I started to get hired from my YouTube videos alone, which was awesome. But when I really started to make money was when I started getting into weddings. And as you know, weddings is very profitable, very lucrative. Um, that's why a lot of people do it. I always recommend it to people if they don't know really what to get into. I'm like, start doing weddings. You're going to get paid a lot. You're going to find out if you don't like it or if you do. And it, it, it creates cash flow without taking too much of your time because it's one day of filming and then you got to edit it and, and stuff. And the way I did my wedding films was very easy. I simplified everything. Honestly, I think because it's what I wanted to create as, an, as, a, as a creative, as a filmmaker or an aspiring filmmaker. It's what I wanted to create. And so because I wanted to create it, it fulfilled me and I did a better job because of it. Um, but the, the, the films that I wanted to create were these short little three and a half minute, four minute, five minute tops, these little short films with just a song, no audio, no nothing. I, I, I recorded the, the voiceovers and stuff or, or the, the voiceovers. I recorded the speeches, um, but I, I really recorded them just to throw in those like just little highlights, not like the whole thing or, or anything like that. It was just little highlights of like special moments. And then if they wanted, um, I, I gave them the full, the full speeches in a Dropbox folder and whatnot. Whenever a bride or groom or family member wanted the full speech or the full ceremony. I wasn't the guy that was going to create a big 20, 30 minute production. Number one, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you know anybody, I don't know. This is just my opinion. Nobody gives a shit about that after watching it a few times. Nobody's going to watch that whole fucking thing. They always watch the short version if there are two versions, right? Would always try to convince my clients and persuade them to not do that. That's number one. Number two, if they were really into it, they really wanted to, I would just charge like a lot more for it. I was in a position where I didn't have financial pressure at that time because I was still living with my parents. So I didn't feel like I needed a client or anything, which is super powerful. And something that I always talk about, making decisions in survival mode versus making decisions based on your vision. When you make decisions based on, when, when you're in survival mode, when you're feeling that financial pressure, trust me, I have been there and I know that feeling, it's really difficult to make the right decision because you need to pay, pay the bills and, 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 and like have a roof over your head and have food and shit. Makes things a lot harder, right? But you always wanna make decisions based on your vision. And because I wasn't in survival mode, it just took a lot of weight off of just speaking my mind, speaking freely, coming from a place where I was trying to help them, support them, but 
also tell them, hey, like this is what you should have and do, and and this is what I recommend. And not a lot of people watch the long version, and I would I would explain these things to them. So I did the wedding films that I wanted to do, and it was just me. I was solo. I didn't have any second shooters. I didn't have any upfront costs, anything. And this isn't the most ethical thing in the world, but if I had to get a piece of equipment, I would get the piece of equipment. I, I, <laughs> I remember getting a lens from Best Buy and then returning it the next day. And that was, that was before they even had their, um, oh, what's it called? A shelf, uh, shoot, I forgot what it was called. Um, but basically if you buy something and then return it, they, they take a percentage off of your return. It's called shelf something. And I, I just can't remember it right now. I don't, so I, I think, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I, I would just, I would just keep my costs super low. You know, when I first started weddings, I would use that wedding money to buy gear. I never bought a piece of gear unless somebody asked for it. Like, Oh, do you have drone footage? Are you, do you, are you good at, are you, are you good at flying a drone? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do that. I have that. And knowing, knowing very well that I, that I don't. And so I would go and get a drone from the money that I made from that wedding. And so that's kind of how I started building up my gear, right? Very simple. And my first wedding, I, the whole reason why I got it was because I had a friend that was a wedding photographer. The wedding filmmaker of that specific wedding quit last minute. I don't know why. My buddy asked me if I was available, knowing that I've never done a wedding before, but also seeing my work from YouTube and knowing that I was good with video, right? And this is why it's important to, if and right now I'm speaking to people that are just getting started right now, right? It's important to talk about the stuff that you've got going on. It's important to share things, experiment, have fun, talk about it. Not too much of like what your master plan is to all your friends and whatnot, because that's super distracting and will give you a false sense of progress. But I was putting all my stuff on YouTube. I was branding myself as the guy. You know, we had Sam Newton on the uh, as a guest on this podcast and as, as a guest expert for the for the Careers Blueprint. And, and he was talking about how he told everyone, I am a travel filmmaker, even though he's not had that much experience, but that's what he branded himself as. I am the travel filmmaker. I create these incredible films for your brand using the travel space to produce sales for you, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and so you got to start doing that now when I'm, when I'm feeling my absolute best is when I'm thinking about all uh, thinking about really just one, one goal, one or two goals, like they've already happened already. Just like I said, seven, seven, uh, uh, 1 million followers, seven figure digital product launch, multiple five, figure, whatever you are trying to strive for, you have to put yourself in the place. Like it's already done. Like you've already done it. And so how would you act? How would you, what, what would be the decisions that you make from that place? I've talked about this time and time again. And, um, and it's so powerful. Like it always makes me feel so much better. Like today I, I woke up just kind of feeling down, just no reason. We, we have our moments, right? But as soon as I shifted my mindset into 
what what is there to feel down about? I've just did I just did a seven figure digital product launch, even though I haven't. But I put myself in that place, and I already started feeling more elevated. Like whoa, like oh, I'm gonna talk to my I'm gonna talk to Sam and and get her on the phone. And Sam's a a team member of mine, and we're, and we're gonna and we're gonna talk about the the emails going out tomorrow and blah 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 blah. I already I was already just thinking, right? So implementing some of these things now now i don't know where the hell i was going with that i i I lost my entire train of thought oh shoot so my buddy who's a wedding photographer knew that i was into video stuff because i was talking about it so much i was sharing so so much of it and so i originally wanted to say no because i had it was the day before I had never shot a wedding before. I only had a 28 millimeter prime lens because I was just vlogging stuff for YouTube and I didn't have a gimbal and I'd recently broken my thumb from trying to deadlift 600 pounds. And so I was in a cast and I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. Plus I was so nervous. Like, who am I? I'm just a YouTuber. Like, uh, (laughs) right. And I think it was my mom that kind of encouraged me to do so because I was like oh, I don't know like, I got a broken thumb and like I can't do this my mom was like no like this is the opportunity you wanted I don't I forgot what she said but she was like really encouraging to me at, at that moment and so I said yes I'll do it and I bought a 24 to 7 I have a YouTube video on it. I bought a 24 to 70 uh from Best Buy and then I think I returned it the next day and uh and I, I filmed the wedding and I did a great job and I crushed it out of the park. I think I think I charged like six hundred, nine hundred dollars, somewhere between six to nine hundred, super cheap. And because they had no zero expectations, I I it, not only did not only were they charging such a cheap rate for it, but they knew that I had never filmed a wedding before. And so their expectations were so low and I crushed it out of the park and I had a broken thumb and they knew about, like, I just had all these things on my side in case I didn't do a good job. It would have been fine, but of course I wanted to do a good job. And that's why it's also so important to, under promise and over deliver, right? You've heard that a million times, but this is this is part of it, right? And so this was a huge over deliver. They were so impressed. And even looking back at the film, I'm like, for a first wedding and a broken thumb, no gimbal, I used a monopod. That's not bad. It was pretty good. Um, and so they're blown away. And because of that one film, it started a domino started a domino effect they referred me to the next person to the next person to the next person and i started getting all of these referrals without even having a fancy referral program where i'm like you know having had some strategy where i'm like discounting things i even i didn't even discount i would even raise my prices every like six months every actually maybe even less than that maybe every few four or five months and I would especially raise my prices when I finally started connecting with other creatives. And this is why it's so important. You guys know this to, to connect with other creatives because I found out that some wedding photographers who I thought that I was on the same level, 
not not better than or anything like that, but just very similar skill level. They're charging like four or five grand a wedding, and at the point at, at that point in time, I was charging like three. Like, what the heck? I'm the video person. Why am I not charging five grand for a wedding? And so when I started connecting with creatives, finding out what they charge, it gave me the confidence to raise my prices, and I started feeling good about raising my prices. And so I got my prices all the way up to to five grand a wedding. And this is when I, and then I this is when I moved out of my my parents' house, and all of these referrals started with just that one wedding. And part of it is due to location. I grew up in a town called Lincolnshire, which is a pretty well, I wouldn't say super wealthy area, but pretty well, well off, very middle class, but, but higher end on the, on the middle class scale, I, I would say. But the first wedding that I got, these people were from Lake Forest. And if anybody knows Lake Forest, Lake Forest is one of the most um, high-end neighborhoods, most premium neighborhoods in the United States. One off, right? Um, it's a very well-to-do area. A um, lot of lot of money there. Um, a lot of owners of like big chain, like big branded stores. Um, what's a store that I can think of? What's a store that I can think of? Not Macy's. Oh man. Neiman Marcus. Does that ring any bell? Neiman Marcus. Wait, hold on. I don't know. It was either Neiman Marcus or, or Marshall's, but whatever the owner of that store, that big chain, um, lives in Lake Forest. So there's a lot of old money, big old money in Lake Forest. And so I never really had a problem with pricing because they all had money and they were all just referring me on to the next family and the next family and the next family. And so I made a lot of money from weddings because of that. And it all started with that one, with the right people in the right neighborhood, the right location. Um, And that got me started onto my first six figure year as a creative. Okay. The next step, and this kind of took me to the next level was starting to branch out because I was still doing a lot of fitness stuff at the time. And I was doing the weddings, I was doing the fitness, and then I started to branch out. And because I did some work with alpha clothing, I started doing more like branded stuff. Then I was I started getting introduced to more of the lifestyle entrepreneur. And so I got connected with Lewis House, who's got a huge podcast, School of Greatness, and did a bunch of free work for him. And what I did was I got inside of his mastermind. So a lot of entrepreneurs host masterminds. It's kind of a buzzword these days. And I might even have one one day. Who knows? I won't call it that. It'll be something different. But essentially, that's what it is. It's a mastermind. And it's where all these like-minded entrepreneurs come together and learn from people that are at a higher level or people that have a unique skill that they want to learn more from. And so Lewis has his own mastermind. And what's important to know about these masterminds is the requirements to get in. For his mastermind, you have to be 
making at least the bare minimum half a million dollars a year. Um, I think maybe it's even more now, like 750. Some of them are multiple seven-figure masterminds. I mean, there's it goes up there. There's it's there's a lot of a lot of uh, powerful powerful people and really successful people and and that get together in these groups. So imagine this for a second. You've got six, you've got a group of 30, 40, 50 entrepreneurs that the majority of them are doing multiple multiple seven figures a year. And now imagine yourself as a creative and the only creative that's in that group. And imagine El Capitan, the main person that says, "Hey, this is my content person and you do a kick-ass job and all of these people are seeing the work that you do and they're like oh i need that and especially if the person's recommending you then you're probably going to get a lot of of those people saying oh are you available next week and so that's what happened i started getting referred from Lewis to all of these really high-end successful entrepreneurs. And the reason was, was because without me even realizing it, it, it took me, it took me a few months to realize what was going on was I was becoming the go-to guy in doing a specific piece of content for specific types of people. And that's what I encourage you to do. Do you need to do that? Do, do you need to do that to, to, to be successful and make a lot of money as a creative? No. Do you need to be super specific and super niche? No. You're choosing two different paths. You're choosing a path of least resistance or a path of more resistance. Meaning, are you going to make it easier for yourself or are you going to make it harder for yourself? Okay. Now... I was doing these things without realizing it in the beginning. And then I was like, okay, let's capitalize on this and really do it right. You don't have to do that. You can, and I, and I, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't even say I was really doing that because I was still doing some wedding stuff at the time and I just didn't market it. I didn't market myself as the wed- wedding filmmaker. I marketed myself as the go-to content guy for entrepreneurs and making these really, really high, as high quality as my skill level could go at that time, uh, making really impactful stories that gave these people's audiences a really powerful feeling. Like they felt something like, wow, um, that's what I was really becoming known for. And I was able to charge a lot for that skill set. And because I was the go-to guy for a specific skill set, everybody wanted to hire me. And so I had tons of, I had, I had tons of inquiries more than, than I needed. And I could have continued that. Now, would that have been sustainable if I didn't come up with more than one type of service, a service that was something that these people needed on a monthly basis and create some type of retainer so I could make it so I could give myself more certainty. Yeah, that would have been a good move. But I was getting to the point where I was kind of getting sick of the client work and didn't want to do it anymore. So I took a different direction and started 
into the digital product space where um, I put out my very first filmmaking course and started teaching the things that I was doing, right? Do you have to do that? No, you don't have to do it. Do I recommend it? Even if you do client work, apps are fucking lootly. Yes, I do, because it can still get you a ton of clients, which is what we're also going to go over in this challenge. Um, but that's what I did. My, my, my point in telling you this is becoming the go-to person for a specific type of content, for a specific type of person, and getting inside of these different types of circles. Do you have to do masterminds? No, you don't. You can find other circles that you can penetrate. But as long as you become the go-to person for a specific group for your skill set, you are going to give yourself a much easier time to make more money as a content creator than you just coming up creating really cinematic stuff that, oh, I make high-quality shit. Like, you got to do more than that. For me, I created impactful stories that sold more of their products and programs and things that they had going on. That's what I did. There's a clear, tangible ROI for them. And I had a very credible person. I had a credible portfolio. And all those things just made it so easy for them to just say yes to hiring me. Just made it easy. So how can you do that? How can you create, how can you penetrate certain circles? How can you create a path of least resistance with your portfolio and coming up with a tangible outcome that they can see? So it's easy for them to hand over their credit card. I mean, the, all these different things, right? Easier said than done, but also really simple too. You don't need to complicate it. I want you to understand I didn't have a website during this time. My website was under construction. I showed them certain projects that I did. I showed them certain people that I had worked with in the past. Um, I didn't, I didn't have a fancy website. I didn't have fancy branding. I just had my videos that I had created and talked about the outcome that I would give them and giving them just a clear, straightforward experience. That was fun. And I was personable and I was a nice guy and people like to work with nice people. And the majority of my clients became really good friends. So that's kind of the vibe that you, that you want, but just imagine, I mean, imagine being the only, imagine being a content creator in a room of 40 to 50 really successful people. You're telling me you're not going to get a couple of clients from that. Start thinking about some of these things and that's just client work. Um, and the stuff and, and that, and that's just client work. And that's because my first six figures was just client work. And then I got into digital products and more than doubled what I was doing with client work. And we can get into that stuff, of course. Um, but any of the projects that I didn't want to do, I didn't do, but I said yes to, and I had somebody else do them for me. I, I would hire a friend. I would hire someone in my network that wanted the opportunity. I would charge my normal rate as my brand. And I had, I had a lot of confidence at this time. I had a portfolio of like really highly credible people and I had a, uh, a good product, etc. And so I would charge my normal rate and I would hire someone to do it for less. And so I would take the profit and I wouldn't have to do the work. And it would just free up my time to continue 
networking and, and, and getting more clients that I wanted to work with. So that, that was my route to six figures. It was doing a lot of fitness stuff. It was getting into weddings and then it was starting to realize what it truly took to start producing high level clients or, or high paying clients, clients that were going to pay, um, what you're worth. And that was because I started to become the go-to person. That's my story to six figures. I want to leave you with a couple of things. I want to give you a couple of things to kind of walk away from and why you shouldn't wait, whether you shouldn't wait to start your passion and turn it into a business, why you shouldn't wait to invest in yourself in a course or a coaching program why you shouldn't wait to start your YouTube channel and start your personal brand. You waiting for the right time or waiting for you to learn something or waiting for once I get A, then I can have B, you are losing opportunities. Every single day, there are tons of opportunities. When I was working with client work, there were opportunities when I first got started in doing that I couldn't capitalize on because I didn't have the necessary experience to be someone's first choice and I would get rejected, right? Every day that you don't decide to act now, you're going to miss an opportunity because of that, whether you're learning a new skill, whether you are going to get into the marketplace at a certain time, like just for, for an example, I started my filmmaking course as a digital product around a time where there weren't a lot of filmmaking courses. Now there's fucking a, like a hundred thousand filmmaking courses. Can you still get into the space and come, come up with a filmmaking course? Absolutely. But now there's a lot more competition and competition requires you to be more niche to solve a different problem. You have to be better in order to thrive in that space. And so the longer you wait, you're just going to make it harder and harder and harder for yourself. So please do yourself. More importantly, do your future self a favor. When you see an opportunity and when you want to do something, you need to go and do it. Because if I were to start my filmmaking course now, it would just be, it would be so much harder. I was able to produce so many sales. I made a ton of money from that filmmaking course because I got started right away. I just, I just went, I started, I did it. And I was able to capitalize on that opportunity. So that's number one is you need to, if you've got a thought, you've got an idea, you got to act on it right away because each and every single day that you don't it's going to get harder. And the second thing that I want to tell you is don't feel like you are repeating yourself too much. When you put out stuff, when you put out podcasts, when you put out your digital product, when you put out portfolio work, when you're putting your brand out there, people have a tough time talking about themselves, talking about what they do and and telling their story and putting it out there on the internet and that's because we have this feeling like we don't want to be too too much for people 
Oh, I don't want to, I feel like I'm repeating myself. I, I said this last week, right? The problem is there's so much noise these days. And I just looked up something before I started this podcast and it nearly made me shit myself. The average, this is, this is according to Forbes, the average person you're not even going to believe, I, I don't, I don't even believe this. <laughs> when I first read it, I'm like, nah, that's, that's bullshit. The average person sees up to 10,000 advertisements per day. I will read that again. The average person sees up to 10,000 advertisements per day. 10,000. Why do you think you are repeating yourself to now? Do you think people that are following you are really noticing, wow, this guy really talks about his shit a lot. Nobody notices it except you because you're the one that's speaking about it. It just feels like it. You have to talk about your shit so much because people are so busy and they're bombarded with noise, especially digital noise on a daily basis. So the reason why I'm telling you this is because I see so many people, especially creatives online, shy away from posting too much, shy away from stories, shy away from, um, you know, just posting too much in general. Like, you know, I don't want to bombard you with the stuff that I have going on. Nobody thinks about that except for you. And especially because of, of of distractions, people are people are busy. People are freaking busy. I talked about this in in Launch Lab, which was uh, a workshop that I put on recently about how to get your first digital product up and running. And I showed screenshots of my DMs when I was selling Launch Lab. And what I did was I sent a link. Anybody that was interested in Launch Lab, I sent a link as a DM to these to these people and i must have gotten 20 responses saying what's launch lab oh yeah when does it start what is that again when a week ago they were like oh that sounds amazing i'm in like you would think oh they know exactly what it is right people don't know what the hell you're doing unless you share that message over and over and over again Maybe some people that follow you really closely will see, oh yeah, you shared that, you know, three or four times or whatever. But there's a good chance that someone's seen it for the very first time. And if you didn't post it, they wouldn't have been impacted by it. They wouldn't have bought from you. They wouldn't have DM'd you asking you questions. They wouldn't have followed your YouTube channel. They wouldn't have followed your Instagram, whatever. So coming from creative to creative, we need to talk about our shit a lot more. We need to talk about the stuff that we got going on because let me tell you, people are not as focused as you think. You need to share your message again and again and again. The reason why I'm saying this is because I am now just noticing that what I've been doing for the past few years is getting recognized by some really cool people. Some really, really interesting, cool people. And I'm getting opportunities because of it. That is only because I continued to talk about it. And if I didn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have these opportunities coming to me. And so just think about that. How can you talk about your stuff more? Especially if you're going to get into the digital product space. 
you got to do it. People want to hear from you. And back in the day, when I was in college, I I have an advertising degree. The only thing I remember from my entire four years of advertising is that it takes seven to eight times for someone to see something and take action and buy. Seven to eight times. Since I've been in school, that was in 2011 to 2015, it has more than doubled. It takes anywhere from 16 to 18, excuse me, sometimes 19 times for somebody to see something, to see for somebody to see your ad or your product for them to finally purchase it. And obviously it depends, varies a little bit on price and things like that and what it is, of course. But it takes about 16 to 18 times for somebody to see what you have for them to finally click the purchase button and buy. So if you're just like, hey, I got this thing coming on. It would really mean a lot. It would be supporting me if you bought it. That shit's not going to fly. It, 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 if you got a big audience, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get a bunch of a bunch of sales up front, but you could be getting quadruple the amount and not feel all scammy, salesy, or whatever. Give you, I'll give you an example, and this is just what I've seen. I don't know, I don't know if it's true or not, but let's let's talk about Sam Colder for just a second. I know that Sam did a seven figure launch for his new filmmaking course he just recently launched i don't know what he did now i'm I'm assuming it's more than just seven figures but i know that he did a little over seven figures for the launch before that for his type of audience for people that i know who are in the digital product space that have the same amount of audience as, as sam does they're doing 10 million dollar launches more with a smaller audience, Sam has the Sam Colder with the size of his own. I mean, he could be doing mega launches. Like I think he could talk about it more. I think I think there's I think there's major room for improvement for the sales that he's producing. Does he care? I don't know. This is just my opinion. This is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. And it just me talking about talking about your shit more just kind of reminded me of it. I wasn't planning on talking about it in this podcast, but just now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, this guy has potential to be doing has the potential to be doing mega, mega launches, not just a million. A million, million's cool. And what the fuck do I know? I haven't done a seven figure launch yet. I'm working towards that. Oh, I'm, I would like to do that. Uh, but I know just with his audience size that he could be doing some really, really big stuff. Um, and I think it starts with talking about it more and, and putting yourself out there more. That's just me. So if he's listening to this, that's my, that's my two cents. But anyways, I hope this helped a little bit. I hope this gave you some golden nuggets. It was, you know, kind of all over the place a little bit, to be honest. But I'm excited. I'm, re- I'm really excited. I'm excited for this challenge. I'm excited for you guys. You know, making six figures, it's simple. It's, 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 it's not difficult. If you're not at six figures yet, that might frustrate you. That, that might, um, I don't know. I, actually, I'm trying to think. I'm not at seven figures yet. But if somebody told me seven figures is easy, I don't think that would upset me. I think that would get me excited. 
to make seven figures because I know it's really possible for me. It's possible for anybody. So that's the kind of mindset that you need to have. Know that it's simple because it is simple. Coming from me, I've done six figures with client work. I've done multiple six figures with digital products. Um, it's simple to do it. You just have to believe that you can and focus on the things that actually matter. And I hope this podcast kind of showed you some of some of the things that actually mattered. The people that you're surrounding yourself with, those that, that environment, right? Penetrating certain circles, in creating a solution for specific people and being the go-to person for that is going to be your easiest, easiest path to getting there. Okay. So I hope this helped. I don't know if it did. Let me know. Tag me. Tag me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Let me know if this helped. And we got the challenge coming up tomorrow. Get yourself on the wait list for the Careers Blueprint. We're opening August 23rd. I cannot wait for the Careers Blueprint. 12 weeks with you. I'm excited. And um, I'm, I'm excited because I get to see the people that are going to commit to themselves and go all in. And that's what it's all about. You, you have to take a risk. At the end of the day, you have to bet on yourself or you will always live a lifestyle that is mediocre. And I don't think you want to live a mediocre lifestyle. And I say mediocre, not based on luxury, not based on material goods, vacate, even experiences. I mean, based off of what it is that you truly want. If you're not living life based on what you truly want, that's a mediocre life. If you're living a life that you truly love and you've designed a lifestyle that you are obsessed with, that is not a mediocre life. Even if you have a nine to five job, even if you drive a $10,000 car, it's not about the status. It's about what you want. And that's what the careers blueprint is all about. Creating a business that gives you a life that you want. So, um, that's, I'm going to end it there. I hope this helped. I'll see you guys in the challenge freelance freedom. See you tomorrow and, uh, let's kick some ass. Peace.